Welcome to Youth Talk Climate, an environmental issues podcast by young people for young people. This podcast is created in association with the Alliance for Climate Education. Today, you are listening to the second portion of our Climate Justice is Racial Justice series. Thank you for tuning in. The Sunrise Movement is a national climate organization with local hubs stretching across the country. Kate Jackson has been a member of the Madison, Wisconsin hub since the fall of 2020. Sunrise fights for a future safe from the climate crisis by means of a climate revolution. Last year alone, they reached 6.5 million voters through their voter outreach. Through her participation, Kate has grown to understand the importance of fighting for racial justice in all forms of, of environmental action. So just to start off, could you just kind of introduce yourself and just a little bit about the work you do for the climate movement in general? My name is Kay Jackson. Let's see, I'm 24 years old and I am from Madison. I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, and I have been living here again after going to college. Um, I've been here for about a year and a half now. And I am currently involved with organizing with the Sunrise Movement, as well as the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, and um, also a sort of reparations-based organization in Madison, sort of mutual aid uh, called Reparations Thrift. Great. Thank you so much. Um, And just kind of to focus on Sunrise, like kind of in my, I mean, I've kind of been familiar with the movement. But just in researching before this interview, like I feel like some things that stuck out kind of about the guy, the work that you guys do is definitely like pushing for the Green New Deal, um, forming connection with community, kind of uplifting, you're like appreciating diversity in your work um, and emphasizing storytelling and kind of those things. But if you could just share a little bit about um, what you feel Sunrise Mission is, and especially in Madison. I think one of the things that got me most excited about Sunrise when I first joined was Sunrise's sort of main mission is um, sort of defeating the climate crisis and creating millions of good jobs in the process. And I think that combination of addressing the climate crisis with the urgency of the moment that it is right now and also creating an alternative, like an alternative economic structure. And I think this really imaginative future of, okay, what we have isn't working right now, this sort of capitalist colonial monster that's created all the sort of problems in the world. And and honestly, I think has, you know, made climate change possible, um, that's not working. And how can we create a better future? How can we create an economic system that has sort of green jobs that has, um, has that. So I think when thinking about the Green New Deal, it's not necessarily one piece of legislation that we're going to pass, even though there is a you know specific language in what a Green New Deal is, but it, it really is a broader imagination of, okay, what do we want? Do we want free public transportation? Do we want you know, green energy? Do we want um, to have everyone be able to have access to, uh, you know, free education or um, clean water and air, which are, you know, basic necessities for living on this planet. And so specifically in Madison and in Wisconsin, I think that looks like 
we're drafting uh, demands for what we would want in a Wisconsin Green New Deal. And that looks a lot like, you know, having, but that looks like having free transportation. That looks like access to clean, clean air and water. That looks like, you know, guaranteed affordable housing. That looks like having access to natural spaces. And I think, um, you know, and also uh, getting rid of politicians like Ron Johnson and, and others who aren't, uh, sup- you know, supportive to, to those things. So you've obviously done a lot of work with Sunrise Madison over the years. Does something stick out in your mind as being like the most rewarding for you or what you think has been the most rewarding for Madison and the community? I'll be honest, I am pretty new to Sunrise. I joined in August. <laughs> so um, I, I think what has felt rewarding to me about being part of Sunrise is that it feels really good to be organizing with my peers, essentially with people who are in my generation, with other young people who are feeling the urgency of this moment of our generation and who want to do something about it, but I think want to do something about it in a really joyful community-driven way. I think I've made a lot of friends by being part of Sunrise and I think that is the longer term connection and community that makes it feel possible to keep doing this work because it is draining. It is it is hard to have that sort of daily motivation. But when you're doing it with people who are also supportive and uplifting and believe in the same thing, then it feels really good. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I feel like those relationships are definitely very important. Um, I'm sure Julian and I have found in our work as well. Um, So we're going to just kind of transition from Sunrise Movement to more just the topic of climate justice. So for you, what would you say intersectionality means? Yeah, I think intersectionality means, I think a lot about the idea of collective liberation and the idea that none of us are free until all of us are free. So I think for climate justice, the, the history of, I think I make this distinction between environmentalism versus environmental justice. And environmentalism might be the sort of traditional sort of preservation, sort of naturalist uh, sort of approach, you know, sort of John Muir founding the Sierra Club and, you know, creating uh, national parks. But the flip side of that is this, as you might know, you know, this incredibly racist, and colonial project for Western expansion of the United States of creating national parks as an effort to kick indigenous people off of their lands and have natural spaces be this sort of luxury uh, tourist location for white Americans. And so I think if we're being, if we're committed to intersectionality and in, and collective liberation, I think that means more of an environmental justice of, okay, who is actually taking the brunt of climate change right now? It's black and brown communities. It's you know countries in the global South. It's people who are being forced to migrate and um, you know fend for their lives right now. And so I think in terms of intersectionality with building a climate justice movement, that the two are just incredibly connected. You know, you can't really have 
environmental justice, without racial justice, without uh, you know dismantling patriarchy and and having uh, trans justice, queer justice. You know, it's all connected. Definitely. Um, and you spoke some about kind of the work you've done for the climate movement, um, but when would you say your fight for racial equality began? Um, and was there a point where you kind of became aware of that? That's a good question. I mean, being upfront, I'm a white person in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and so I think all of the learning about racial justice that I have sort of like integrated into my own activism has come from people outside of me and people in my life who have you know, reading things or, or people in my life who have, you know, brought me <laughs> into racial justice. Uh, but I think, you know, growing up, I think I actually was pretty lucky in some ways that my family is, is pretty political and was pretty politically involved. So I think um, general sort of activism and political consciousness was a big part of what is a big part of what I value in the world and being a person in the world. I don't think you can just be apolitical in this world. I think anything is political. And so I think in that sense of all of it being connected, I think that's um, how it's felt for my own politics of racial justice being connected to my own, uh, you know, thoughts on liberation as a queer person and, you know, as, uh, you know, dismantling capitalism. Um, I think specifically in the last year or so, I think when COVID happened, I think there was a lot of energy I had to, okay, what am I doing right now? And that's actually when I first got involved with Sunrise and started going to the virtual training schools that they had. And then over the summer with the uprisings around the Black, Matter, Black Lives Matter uprisings around the murder of George Floyd, I think that was another wake up call for me of, okay, what am I doing every day to live by my values? These are things, you know, uh, black liberation is something that I believe in and want to fight for, but what am I, what am I doing every day? Yeah, have you been involved with any of the Black Lives Matter protests in Madison or elsewhere? And I don't know, how has that like shaped your organizing? Yeah, I have been involved with, uh, some of the Black Lives Matter protests. And I think definitely more as someone who, who shows up, definitely not as an organizer, but I think what has been illuminating for me is the networks of people within Madison and generally as the idea of sort of relying on each other and keeping each other safe and, you know, not relying on the police and, you know, having this, broader vision of what our world can be. I think I think the Black Lives Matter movement is also really expansive and imaginatory. And I think defunding the police and getting rid of prisons is also entirely connected with climate justice and, and economic justice and all these things that I think in general are about having this radical imagination of, okay, like what what could it be? Like this is you know, in, in sort of thinking about joy and community, like this is a joyful and community driven process. And not that it's that every day at all, you know, <laughs> it's also incredibly hard, but I think, uh, I think I feel honestly, since being more involved, just really, uh, 
humbled by how much I, I have to learn and, and want to uh, be learning. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit more about how you think like the racial inequality crisis is linked to the climate crisis, um, whether like global or just in um, Madison's community? Yeah, I actually heard this said really well by another person in Sunrise recently, is that the idea that like climate change would not be possible without colonialism and capitalism and, and racism. You know, if we didn't have groups of people that we saw as disposable or whose resources we could extract or whose lands we could run pipelines through or whose air and water we could pollute, you know, climate change wouldn't be happening. It wouldn't be possible. It would be unthinkable to, to say, okay, like if these people are, are truly equal, if we truly see black and brown communities as equally deserving and, and dignified, then we can't, you know, destroy, uh, you know, quality of life for, or, you know, life in general uh, in those communities. And so I think in that the two are incredibly tied together. And I think, you know, in today, you know, we see that, uh, that sort of same trend happening. And so I think, um, yeah, maybe that's, <laughs> that's that thought that I have on that right now. You were talking more about what were you asking about also how we see that in Madison or how those are connected in Madison? Yeah, if you've had, if you have any like examples in Madison, or maybe statewide or nationwide, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I have any specific examples. Oh, no, you're all good. And I was going to ask you a question about climate justice. I feel like we've kind of covered that topic pretty well. So I think I'm just going to move to kind of, are there any specific actions you've taken in Sunrise? And I know you said you've only been with them till, since August, but any direct actions through that organization that you feel like has contributed to one or both of these movements? And just if there's any specific resources available from Sunrise for young people who are interested in learning more and getting involved. Yeah, so I'm actually on the actions team with Sunrise. So when I joined, I was a part of planning and making happen a lot of actions that we took. So earlier back in August, September, before the UW uh, semester started, we did a wide awake action at uh, Becky Blank's house, who's the chancellor. You should quote me on that, or I think she's the chancellor. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we did a wide awake action at Becky Blank's house. And that was essentially going to her house uh, in the morning and demanding that she have better uh, COVID policies, you know, for the UW. And you know, what we predicted was seen this last semester, there was a huge spike in cases in Dane County. And, uh, and it was, you know, bad for everyone, and especially, you know, frontline communities uh, that are being impacted most with COVID. And so is that explicitly tied to the environment? Maybe in sort of a smaller lens, it doesn't look like that. But I think you know, in this whole conversation of thinking of all these things as connected, it's like, that has to be a priority. You know, if people are dying of COVID and there are concrete things that we can do to make it safer, then, then that's something. And um, 
to answer your second question about how young people can get involved with Sunrise, I think one thing that Sunrise does a really good job of is they have a lot of resources. So there's local hubs, but then there's also sort of national leadership. And so for this Wide Awake that we planned, we were in touch with a regional organizer. There was Wide Awakes happening around the country with Sunrise at that time. And so we were like, okay, well, we want to do one too. Who can our targets be? And there was just a lot of resources for how to lead an action. What steps should you have? Uh, what sort of planning goes into it? What materials should you bring? Do you need to make sure everyone has masks? So just a lot of those concrete details on the national level, I think, make it really possible and approachable and exciting to, to plan an action because that's not something that I've been super involved with. I've, I've often shown up and not necessarily been on the planning side of things. So I think Sunrise does make it really possible to jump in and get involved. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've attended some of the training schools that Sunrise, Sunrise has offered, and I've been like really impressed by their leadership and just how they're just so welcoming and happy to see new faces. It was like a really important moment. And that's one of my favorite things about Sunrise. I mean, I think what first got me interested in them is I was like, oh, these people sing at protests. I want to I wanna learn their songs and sing with people. And, you know, in COVID, it's a little harder to do that. But I think that sort of welcoming environment is really nice and really uh, easy to be involved with because of that. Yeah, that's great. And just before you ask your next question, Julian, I just wanted to ask, like, if, for people who are interested in these virtual sessions that you've you've talked about do they just go to your website or where is the best way for them to sign up for that that's a good question that i might not know the full answer to i think if you search sunrise movement just general google search you can find um the website for sunrise movement i know they're on you know all social media platforms instagram twitter facebook and but on the website you can search events i'm pretty sure you can search local hubs like let's say you live in milwaukee or you live in madison or there might be an appleton hub you know you can you can find the hub you can get their email address um, but a lot of these sort of larger national calls on how do you tell a good narrative story for a speech like how do you organize a wide awake a lot of those national calls if you sign up for the Sunrise sort of email, then uh, you'll get sort of events like that. Okay, so kind of summing that all up, um, do you think there's anything that the um, climate movement can learn from the movement for Black Lives um, and some takeaways from that? Yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, I think it's in that overlap that the climate movement has uh, move forward, essentially. I think the climate movement can learn from Black Lives Matter, can, you know, I think, I think a lot of the knowledge that has moved the climate justice movement in a more intersectional direction has been through the leadership of, you know, Black and Brown organizations and movements. So, 
you know, the movement for indigenous sovereignty, the movement for black lives, and, you know, generally sort of historically, you know, the civil rights movement, I think those overlaps have been, you know, always there, but I think entering more of the mainstream of the more mainstream conversation about unifying those movements and really having them be fighting for the same thing. I don't know if I have concrete strategies or something. I will say though, um, I think, you know, this week, last week, a week ago, exactly, we saw uh, attempted fascist coup in the US Capitol. And I think the way that I understand fascism and I've learned about it in from other organizers is that fascism is a response to a certain set of conditions and that in the US that is going to be uniquely tied to white supremacy because of the history of this country being built on slave labor and the removal of indigenous people from their lands. And so I think with what we saw on Wednesday, I think, and and with the sort of buildup of COVID exposing these inequalities in our society and putting this enormous burden on working people, I think there's been this polarization to the right or to the left, but definitely to the right. And I think the climate justice movement and in general, the left can have this sort of creative alternative of instead of instead of uh, going into this sort of fascist state uh, and in, in that direction, um, like what, what alternatives can we provide to that that actually meet people's needs that actually address uh, the root problem? Um, and we'd like to finish this interview with a question. Um, what do you think is the most important reminder for young people that are cl- climate activists or just like activists in general as we usher in a new era of American politics and um, sort of like a fresh start? That's such a good question. I'm going to take a moment to think about it. I think a reminder that I wrestle with, honestly, is that we need all of it. So if you're seeing yourself and you're like, well, I'm not really sure if if this is the place for me or if if I'm an activist like that, I think there's so many ways to sort of get creative and fight for a better world that don't necessarily have to look like being in the streets. Like I think it can mean, you know, phone banking or figuring out sort of donating efforts to protests or sort of the longer term work of of educating your neighbors. Or I think there's so many uh, different avenues that people can take that can build a larger movement. And I think also that that isn't just going to be party politics. You know, this hopefully will be a, a new era without a Trump presidency, but there are so many grassroots, grassroots movements that build the sort of politicians that we want to see and that that sort of on the ground work is going to be essential for any sort of larger government change. Great. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that and your perspective in this movement. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just about anything? 
I wrote down some notes. I'm trying to think if I honestly no. I mean, this is great. I think that was that was awesome. I'm curious. I I, I don't know much about either of you. Like, who are who are both of you, and what is your uh, connect? I mean, I, I listened to um, the podcast actually, but um, yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about you yourselves. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a senior in high school. I go to La Follette in Madison's East Side. Um, yeah, and as far as like the climate movement goes, I think I, like as far as like how I got involved, I guess I can go through that spiel. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it kind of started with, um, I think my high school's green club is pretty much where it started. Um, and from there getting invitations to kind of organizations that work outside of the high schools or rather like connect people from every high school in the city. Um, and I think that's where kind of more of the activism side came in um, and just really powerful meeting people from different backgrounds fighting for the same movement and caring about the same things. Um, so I think, yeah, and this organization is called the Youth Climate Action Team that I'm speaking about and I've been in it ever since and it's just been a really good experience. Um, yeah, and I, actually through an organizer through that I heard about the Alliance for Climate Education, which is what this is through, um, oh. and that Jillian signed up for and got in as well. Um, and that's been an even wider lens. Like we've been connected to people from all over the country through that work. Um, so yeah, it's just really inspirational, like kind of continuing to expand the bubble of people we're working with um, and reaching. But but yeah, I, I love the podcast. I think I've also worked for my school newspaper for a long time. So I feel like this is just a way to kind of connect, I think like the climate interest and then also more of the journalism side. Um, yeah. Um, I'm also, uh, I also go to La Follette. I'm a sophomore there. And um, same for me, I was really exposed to the ideas of climate justice um, through the Green Club at our school. But when I was accepted as an ACE fellow, it just became like a whole new thing and something I became like very passionate about. And I really began starting um, to like work on activism projects and instead of just like listening and observing. And so I was part of a team that started a youth climate magazine like last summer and then I got the invitation to join the podcast and I thought it'd be an exciting way to try out a new medium that I hadn't worked with. And I originally wasn't planning on doing interviews, but it's a skill I like to develop. And I think it'd be really exciting just to see where this goes. Yeah, podcasts are so fun and exciting. I I really love that world. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, we will send you the episode once it airs. Very cool. Cool. I'm really excited to, to talk with you guys. It was really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for meeting with us. We'll yeah. stay in touch. Have a good night. You too. Cool. Thank you for listening to Youth Talk Climate. Part one of Climate Justice is Racial Justice was released earlier this month, where we talked to Moses Wamalwa about how the climate crisis directly connects to racial inequality in our country. We'd like to thank today's guest, Kay Jackson, for sharing her knowledge. If you'd like to learn more about the Sunrise Movement, visit www.sunrisemovement.org to learn more about the movement, join virtual events, and attend trainings. Or follow them on Instagram at sunrisemvmt. Thank you.